0: and bring honor and glory to the name of Christ. Here now is our pastor-teacher, Harry Reader.
1: If you're able, please remain standing for the reading of God's Word. If you'll turn with me to Matthew 13. Children, you can make your way to my left, right this way to Children's Church, to the Children's Worship Center. There'll be those to meet you. Have a great time in the Word and singing and uh, teaching. Then you can pick them up immediately after the service. Visitor, Cindy and I would love to see you at the back. And uh, so please stop by. Would you look with me, if you would, in Matthew 13. This is God's word that is read in your hearing, inspired, inerrant, and infallible. That same day, verse 1, that same day Jesus went out of the house and he sat, be, sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach, and he told them many things in parables, saying, The sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Another other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on the good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Then our Lord interprets it. Go to verse 18. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. And that's for what was sown on rocky ground. This is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, But endures for a while, and when tribulation or persecution rises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word. But the cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields it, yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. The grass withers and the flower fades. God's word abides forever. By his grace and mercy, may this his word be preached for you. Please be seated. So we're back to our lead series, back to looking at the five elements of what is rolling out at Briarwood, which is really kind of a re-presentation of what we've done in the past. And that is our commitment to being a great commissioned church, developing a curriculum for discipleship, because that's our mission. Our message is to teach the whole counsel of God, but you got to begin at the foundation. So, what we're doing is I'm doing one sermon on each of the five elements of the foundation. Perhaps you'll remember. Because we've had a couple of weeks in between with various things that have happened. But our first element is Christianity 101. What is basic doctrine? Apostles' Creed Christianity framed in the gospel truth. Then we move to spiritual disciplines. Prayer and the word through preaching, worship, fellowship, sacraments. All of those means of grace. Spiritual disciplines. Then we went to number three, which is. Lifestyle stewardship, which you're going to cover the whole of this coming year. How is all of life stewardship? And then today we're on number four, personal evangelism. Now hear it. I want you to hear it and hear it and hear it. I'm going to try to say it at least five times today. Everyone evangelizing everybody everywhere every day. That's my E, 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 E for you. Everyone evangelizing everybody, everywhere, every day. Personal evangelism. The next Lord's Day. Go ahead and write it down. Remember it, please. One of the most important sermons I think I could ever preach from Hebrews 2. I want it to develop for you life, uh, I want to develop for you authentic worship. That's the fifth element, worship. So what do we got? we've got uh, christianity 101 basic christian doctrine wrapped around the gospel spiritual disciplines how do you grow in grace through the means of grace through prayer and the word and the various means that god has designed to deliver it number 3 stewardship is a way of life number 4 evangelism looking at it today and number 5 Worship Now, folks, why is this important? Well, I am pray. I, I'll tell you why it's important to me. Anyway, I am praying for a gospel awakening in our nation. I am praying for it because I see this tsunami wave of secular humanism. Moral relativism sweeping across our nation. I know it's going to be destructive. I can already see the destruction in lives, in families, rising suicide rates, despair, all of the things that are taking place in our society that when that, you cannot embrace the anarchy of sin and call it good without it having devastating effects. That's why I've tried to picture it for you as a tsunami wave. And listen, that wave will ebb someday that wave will ebb someday you cannot destroy the sanctity of life the sanctity of marriage the sanctity of gender the sanctity of sexuality the sanctity of relationships you cannot destroy those things without it producing devastation it can't last. It will ebb. Now, what will be left in that day? Well, I know Jesus' church will be there. What churches? It is the ones who have a foundation. The ones who have stayed in the midst of all of it. On mission. On message. In ministry. The church's narrow mission. We have a narrow mission. We Our mission has not been thought up. It doesn't change generation to generation. It's been given by Jesus. Go and make disciples. Going, baptizing, and teaching. Make disciples. That's your mission. What is your message? Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. The whole counsel of God with the spear point of the gospel as the foundation, the formation, and the motivation of the Christian life. That's what you do. That's your mission. That's your message. What is your ministry? Four of them. That Great Commission outlines four ministries the ministry of upreach, worship toward God. The ministry of outreach, evangelism, the gospel to the world. The ministry of inreach, that is loving one another deeply, profoundly, relentlessly. And the ministry of, of downreach, Learning, being discipled and discipling others. That's why I like, to, I like to take those and call it a healthy gospel. Healthy church is a well church. It's on mission. Don't let us be drawn into mission drift to get along with what's happening in the culture. You've got to stay focused. That's the mission of the church. Focus on what God's called us to do. It's narrow and focused. This is it. And with that focus, with this glorious message and these ministries of worship evangelism loving one another learning disciple making being discipled then what do we do we produce Christians by God's grace that have a broad mission that have a comprehensive mission whether you eat or drink or whatsoever you do do all to the glory of God that Christ would have preeminence in everything That Christians who are great commandment Christians who know how to love God with all their heart, soul and mind and know how to love their neighbor as God's grace has taught them to love themselves in Christ and for Christ to die to themselves unto Christ. That's why we've got to stay on this mission. What's really interesting, there have been many moments since the ascension of Jesus where God has swept nations with revival and awakenings. He always uses his church. And the churches he used will always be identified with four things. Interesting. Just go read church history. Go look at the revivals in the Bible. There's four things that's always there. Number one, the people whom he revives to use for an awakening love to worship. They love to worship. Nothing's more important. Nothing's more important. Not hobbies, not sports, not possessions, not work. Nothing's more important than the praise of God when God moves. They're engaged in discipleship. They want to grow in the Lord. Number three, they're committed to persistent, protracted revival prayer. And number four, they're committed to evangelism. Dare I say, number two time, everyone evangelizing, everybody, everywhere, every day. Together, not they got evangelists, Oh, yeah, but they're not waiting for the evangelist. They're all engaged and the Lord is adding to their number day by day. As those are being saved. Why? Because they're going into the world. You see, when that church is on mission and on message, it produces Christians that have this broad mission and this broad comprehensive impact. They become the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And that's what God does with us. Now, we took time to look at. Uh, we took time to look at that basic foundational doctrine as element number one. We took a look at spiritual means of grace, how to grow. We took a look at stewardship as a way of life. Today, we're taking a look at evangelism from Matthew chapter 13. Next Lord's Day, we're going to take a look at worship, authentic worship. Please try to get in here next week for that one. That is so, If you want to read ahead, get to Hebrews chapter 2 and just read on ahead. That's where we'll be. But today, Matthew 13, I've been here before. Here's the bad news for you. We've been here before. And the last time I was in Matthew 13, we were there years ago. And I did six sermons on what I just read for you. Now, the good news is we're not going to do six sermons. And let me give you more good news. I'm not going to try to preach all six sermons in the next 35 minutes. I'm not going to try to do that. But I am going to try to get to this text for a reason. It's one of the three texts that I think communicate as clear as any other text of everyone evangelizing everybody everywhere every day. And that's why I want to go to it. So would you go to it with me in Matthew 13? Keep it in front of you. Now, let me walk it through you very quickly. The first thing is this. This is called the parable of the sower. I believe it is the most important parable in the Bible. There are 30 plus parables in the Bible that Jesus taught. The first half of his ministry was basic teaching in synagogues and in various gatherings. The last half of his public ministry, he used parables continually. This is the beginning of the last half of his ministry when he went to the parables. And Matthew 13 gives you seven of those parables, all designed to teach you about the kingdom. And I believe this is the most important of all. Why? Number one, here's the first reason. It's the first parable that we have recorded that he taught. It's the very first one that we have recorded in the word of God that he taught. Number two, second reason why I believe this parable is important is because this parable Christ interpreted himself. There's 30 plus parables. He did not interpret all of them. There's only a couple that he interpreted. This is one of them. So the first parable, secondly, he interpreted himself. Number three, this parable and its interpretation is the only parable that's repeated in all three of the synoptic gospels. That would be Matthew, Mark and Luke. This parable with the interpretation is the only parable that Jesus uh, repeats in all three synoptic gospels with his interpretation. Number four, Jesus says when he gave this parable and they asked him what it meant, he says, do you not understand If you do not understand this parable, and now I quote him, you cannot understand any of the parables. You cannot understand any of the parables. So that those four reasons why I believe this is important. Let me go to a second thing with you. Not only the importance of the parable. If it's this important, let's take a look at the ingredients of the parable. What are the ingredients of the parable? Now, at this point, I am really excited to move to this. This particular part of today's exposition of God's word, because here I can stop some of you who make fun of me. I know you do. I know you. In fact, I could start calling out some of your names right now. And I know that some of you make fun of me because... I have this penchant toward alliteration. I mean, even in, when I'm talking, I just like to alliterate things. That's the way I like to think. And if I like to think that way, I like for you to know how I think that way. So I share it with you periodically. But the reason I do this is because Jesus alliterated. And if you don't believe it, look at this parable. There, here, the what are the ingredients of this parable? Well, Jesus, being a good Presbyterian pastor and minister, alliterates this parable when he teaches it number 1 he says there's a sower now notice the definite article in the text there the sower not a sower the sower goes out number 2 the second ingredient of the parable is the seed notice not a seed some seed but The seed. The seed. So you've got the sower who goes out with the seed. And what does the sower do with the seed? You're ready, aren't you? Number three, sowing. He goes out sowing. So you've got the sower with the seed doing the sowing. Then what? Where does the sower sow the seed? In the soils. Note the plural. Now there's only one seed, there's only, there's a singular sower, singular seed, singular sowing, but there are plural soils. He went out to the soils. Hard ground, rocky ground, thorny ground, and good ground. Those are the soils. Four types of soils that are depicted. Hard ground, Rocky ground, thorny ground, and, of course, good ground. Now, and we move from the ingredients, and this is one of those, you don't have to worry about what is Harry going to say about this parable. Harry is simply going to report to you what Jesus said about this parable. Jesus interpreted it for you. So let me report to you what Jesus says. What about the sower? The sower is Christ. The sower is Christ. Now, but you got to do just a little bit more than that. It is Christ who is the sower. Now, Christ sowed personally the seed into the hearts of men. Christ did it in 33 years in his incarnate body. Now, Christ is doing it through his dwelt body which is the church we are the body of Christ that's why he said to us as the father sent me sowing the seed to seek and to save the lost I now send you so Christ is sowing through his people through his church secondly you've got the sower secondly you got the seed what is the seed text tells you it is the word of God, the unadulterated word of God, not the word of God that has been adulterated by uh, theological liberalism, not the word of God that's been uh, that has been diminished through the editing of preachers who don't want to say something that's distasteful. What you have is the whole counsel of God is what Paul said. I am innocent of the blood of all men, because when I proclaimed, when I sowed the seed, what did he sow? The whole counsel of God. Or just Jesus says, go and teach them all that I have commanded you. So the seed is the word of God. Number three. So you've got the sower. You've got the seed. Christ is the sower through his people. The body of Christ. Number two is the seed, the word of God. Number three is the sowing. That is the proclamation of the word of God. That is the spreading of the word of God. So we not. I, I can stop here for a moment. When I was uh, in college, I had two or three jobs to try to work my way through and pay for my education and put some food on the table while we were there. And uh, that Cindy somehow would multiply fishes and loaves every week. Somehow God allowed us to do that. And one of my jobs was building and grounds. And, that, and so one of the things that I did in building the grounds is cut grass, sod grass, and sow grass. Those were the three things that I got the chance to do. What a wonderful job. You basically, you could train an orangutan to do what I did each week, but I did not know how to sow seed until Mr. Sims taught me how to sow seed. He said, now you get a little bit of a rhythm. One, two, three. One, two, three. One, two, three. It's like a waltz. Almost you do one, two, three, and then you've got this bag and you go get good seed and you put it in that bag you put that bag right in front of you now while you're walking one two three one you dip two you pull out three you throw one you dip and so he just got me into that and i learned to walk down the field with a straight line and i would do what i would be one two three and i'd do it I'd pull in i'd pull it out and then i'd cast it out this way and cast it out that way and then reach in and do it again that's the picture here we're not talking about a little machine that you're walking around with. We're talking about you with the bag, got the seed that you brought to the task and you're reaching in and throwing it one way and the other way. And you're lavishly throwing it everywhere to cover everything. So you've got the sowing of the seed of the word of God intentionally and um And lavishly everywhere that you're going. Number four. You've got the soils. And and Jesus tells us these are the hearts of men. And Jesus is showing us something. Now please don't miss this. There's a believing heart. And there's an unbelieving heart. The unbelieving heart can show up in multiple models. He gives you three. There's the unbelieving heart that is hard. There's the unbelieving heart that is rocky. There's the unbelieving heart that is thorny. And he's telling you about these three unbelieving hearts, the hard heart. He says the seed falls on the path, the hard path that he walks on. The seed doesn't go anywhere because there's nothing soft to receive it. Therefore, it lays on the top and you're no more past that the seed that fell on the soils. You look behind you and the birds are swooping down to pick it up. And he says. That's exactly what Satan does. The word is proclaimed, it lays on the hard heart, and then Satan comes and snatches it away. It'll be happening this morning right here. Some are here for various reasons, but it's not a want to. And even thinking right now, when will this vain babbler be through? And now the seed is resting. And probably will be picked away even before you get to the car. Just gone. No interest. No inclination. No attraction. No affection. It's just there. And it'll be gone. Then there's the rocky ground. Now, when I say rocky ground, don't think. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking New England right now. I know what you're thinking, New England. There's that beautiful landscape with these rocks sticking. No, don't think that way. Think Middle East. That means topsoil, very short, very small, and then underneath it, a layer of rock. Therefore, did you see the text? Not much depth of soil. So what happens? That seed falls there's not much depth of soil. The sun starts to rise and the seed is in there and it's like a hothouse. And therefore the thing germinates quickly because the heat hits into the depth of soil. And then it germinates quickly. It throws down the root. The root hits the rock. And now all the energy that should be going down to drive the root deeper now starts going up. Instead of a root going deep, you got a shoot that comes up prematurely. And then comes fruit that wants to come prematurely. But that same sun that ought to be causing growth now becomes the occasion for it to wither away. Jesus said, That's of those who, when they hear the word and the good news, receive it immediately with joy. Oh my goodness! Heaven free! Forgiveness free! What they didn't hear was repent and follow Jesus. And before long, the cost, they heard the benefits of the cross. And then the cost of the Christ begins to be felt. And they realize the persecution and all that's coming against them because of Jesus. And they put two and two together. (laughs) Well, I am enduring this because of the word. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll leave the word and immediately, did you notice, immediately they receive it with joy. Then when the persecution comes, immediately they fall away. That doesn't mean they were saved and lost. That means they never had the root in themselves. They never had the root. Therefore, the shoot had no root and it withered away and never produced any fruit. And before long, you see it. In their life, these are those who hear the benefits of the word and the gospel, but do not want the benefactor and give themselves up to him. And therefore, when the persecution comes, as it always will, to some degree, in some form, some fashion, somewhere, they immediately leave it and wither away. There's a third kind of unbelieving heart. It's the thorny ground heart. Now, you know what that is, don't you? If you don't, March is coming. And you're going to look out in your yard, that beautiful yard that you worked on all summer. And then this spring, it's going to start coming up. And you're going to see these patches and this thing called crabgrass and this thing called this. And it and it just, you know, you have to nurture that grass. But that crabgrass, those weeds, boom, they just go. And guess which wins? Weeds or grass? Weeds or flowers? Weeds, unless you pull them up by the root. But these are the people that hear the gospel and try to add Jesus in to everything else they worship. And before long, Jesus doesn't fit in. <laughs> before long, the deceitfulness of their idolatry, riches, all the cares of the age begins to choke it out. Oh, and they have to make choices, Lord's Day choices, Bible choices, lifestyle choices. And what you see are wrong choices again, because the root is choked out with the weeds that were never pulled out through repentance. The unbelieving heart coming in three manifestations, but then the good heart, the good soil. They, did you hear it? They hear the word and they understand it, the benefits and the commands, the call and the cost, the free gift that cost everything. And they know works don't save me, but there are works that save people do. And I can't wait to get at them. They hear it. They understand. And then they receive it. And when the persecution comes, it just causes more growth. It doesn't cause a wither away. It doesn't call them to wither away. It causes more growth. And then instead of things choking out, repentance keeps pulling the weeds and the idolatry and the cares of this age out by the roots themselves so that it can grow and be nourished. And then when they grow, they do what? They bear fruit. There's the difference. The unbelieving hearts they have roots or diminutive roots that are choked out or don't go deep, but they, and they have a shoot, but they don't have fruit. The good soil, it has fruit. And don't miss this. Fruit that remains. Some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. Seasons of a 30 fold, seasons of 60 fold, seasons of 100 fold. Some will have 30, some will have 60, some will have 100, but they all have fruit. You know John 17:8, don't you? Pastor, what is fruit? I don't have to again, Jesus gives us this one: "By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much." Fruit and so prove to be my disciples. What is fruit? It's a lifestyle that intentionally gives glory to God and tells the world that Jesus is yours and you are his. By this is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. And what is that? Prove manifest, not earned. You don't earn salvation, but you manifest salvation. With a lifestyle that gives glory to God and confesses Jesus before this world, even under persecution and even in opposition to the idols that want to rise up and claim your life. And that's what he now says to us. That's his interpretation. What are the implications? Let me give you four implications of this. Four implications. You Ready? All of this deserves so much more treatment, but I'm trying to be timely, so let's get at it. Here's the first one. The fate of the seed, that would be the word, is determined by the condition of the soil. That would be the heart. And the condition of the soil, that would be the heart, is revealed by the fate of the seed. Now, Harry, what are you saying? Here's what I'm saying. You got good seed. There's no bad seed here. You got good sowing. You got a sower, you got sowing, you got seed, but you got different results. Why do you have different results? It's the heart of the, the heart is the heart of the issue. The heart of the problem is the problem with the heart. The solution to the problem is a new heart. That's the solution. The fate of the seed is not determined by the seed, the sower, or the sowing, but it is determined by the condition of the heart. And the, condition of the, uh, the fate of the seed reveals what kind of heart you got. The fate of the seed is determined by the condition of the heart. And the fate of the seed then tells you what your heart condition is. Second implication, the good soil or the heart is revealed by the bearing of fruit that remains. How do you know if you're saved? You got fruit. You got a root goes deep. You got a shoot that comes up. You got fruit. Some not everybody's got the same amount of fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. But you got fruit that remains by. This is my father glorified that you bear much fruit, 30, 60 and 100 fold. And so prove to be my disciples. The good soil is revealed by the bearing of fruit that remains. So do you mind if I stop here? Just let me stop here. I've got to. In your life, your life does not save you. But is there any indicators in your life? Fruit. Fruit. That says there's a root in Jesus. Any indicators? If there are, praise God. If there isn't, come to your God. Folks, at the end of this service, there will be people that are standing right down here. Come and pray with them so that you can know the glories of salvation in Jesus Christ. As Lord and Savior, you, today you're here though, and you have that fruit. Then let me go to the third implication: the soil of the heart must be cultivated to become good soil, heart, and receive the seed of the Word. So let me let me do it with the parable: the soil must be cultivated to become good soil and receive the seed to bear uh, to receive the seed to bear fruit. Or The heart must be cultivated to become a good heart and receive the word to bear fruit. In other words, here is the deal. Before you can have a good heart, somebody's, I say this reverently, somebody's got a monkey with the soil. Somebody's got to work on the heart. And I say reverently because there's only one heart surgeon, and that's Jesus by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit's got to get your heart. The Holy Spirit's got to go to your heart. And that's where he goes. And of so, you know, I had heart surgery. <laughs> Didn't have a heart transplant. That's because I already had one. God cut the old heart out. 1970. And he gave me a new heart. By his grace and for his glory. And I've had the privilege to have seasons in my life of 30, 60 and 100 fold. But the fruit came from the shoot and the shoot was in the root and the root took hold because he gave a heart for him. That's what I long for you to have. And that's why we pray. That's why I meet with guys to pray before I walk in here. That's why I pray up here while we're singing. That's why we pray all the time when I go to talk to somebody. Thirty something people this last week I talked to about Jesus. And I prayed for all of them before I went to them, because I know I can plant, I can water, I can cultivate, but I can't give the increase. Only God can give them a heart to receive it. Number four, number four, <laughs> neither the fate of the seed, that is the word, nor the condition of the soil of the heart can be revealed until the sower sows the seed Intentionally and indiscriminately. Here's what we said. The seed, the sower, sowing, brings the seed, and the fate of the seed tells you the condition of the heart, and the fate of the seed is dependent upon the condition of the heart. But you'll never know the condition of the heart until the seed is sown by the sower. And the sower has to sow intentionally. Bring good seed. Put it in the bag. Take it to the field. You've got to be intentional to sow the seed. And when you sow it, no discrimination, no partiality. Rich, poor, black, white, old, young, I mean, just does not matter. Just throw it out everywhere. Don't walk through the field. That looks like good ground. That looks like bad. That looks like bad ground. That looks like thorny ground. No, no. Here, because listen, listen to this. Oh, how I wish I had time. But the seed is not only the seed. Sometimes the seed becomes the plow in the hands of the spirit to work on the heart. So just keep throwing the seed. Throw it everywhere indiscriminately. I do never remember Mr. Sims telling me, now, listen, when you do this, just put a little seed here and put a little seed there. He said, when you do it, throw it, cast it everywhere, all over the place, cast it this way, cast it that way. Reach in and get a big old handful and cast it here and cast it there. Intentionally bring the seed indiscriminately share it everywhere that you possibly can all over the place. And that brings me now to just some very practical takeaways. Very practical takeaways. Here they are. Here they are. And this is where we're headed in this 10 week study that you'll do on this foundational element. Number one, here's my first practical suggestion. Get a testimony. A testimony is a testimony. It is it's testifying, bearing witness of what Jesus did in your life. Now, your testimony is not the gospel. The gospel is a message you give it to people. Your testimony is telling people what the gospel has done. And it opens a door and builds a bridge for you to share the gospel with people. Get your testimony. I think that's one of the greatest things about evangelism explosion when they teach you how to do your short testimony and how to do your long testimony. And so uh, that's what I want you to do. Get your testimony. Can I get uh, let let me go a step further. Get three testimonies, one that works, one that doesn't work. No, no, that's not what I mean. That's not what I mean. Three testimonies. Take your testimony and develop one of them into what I call the elevator testimony. You get on an elevator, you got four floors, you ought to have a testimony that you can commute. You're in a, you're in an airplane, it's going down, you got three minutes till it crashed, you ought to be, have a testimony that builds a bridge in three minutes to somebody. Get your short testimony. Then get your lunch date. Your lunch date testimony. You're at lunch. You've got 15, 20, 25 minutes to talk with somebody. Get that testimony in place. And then number three, get your long testimony. You know, when the Graham Association calls you and says, we're going to have a crusade and we want you to come and give the testimony that night. You ready? Harry, they'll never call me. Well, I may. Get that testimony. Get that testimony that you can... In an evening of conversation, share with somebody that testimony that tells them what Jesus has done. Then, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Can I share with you that grace that came into my life to do this in my life with all of its imperfections? Get a testimony. Develop your testimony. And don't spend all your testimony on your lostness. That's what I loved about Jim Kennedy. when he I had the privilege to be trained by him. And he said, now listen, when you get your testimony, don't talk a lot about when you were lost. He said, I listen to testimonies. They talk two-thirds about when they're lost. And then they tell me, Jesus saved me. Praise the Lord. It sounds like to me they're more fascinated with their sin than they are with the Savior. So get it one-third lost, two-thirds Jesus. What he's done since then. Uh, I've got my lost part down to one sentence. And unless people ask me, that's all I give. So that, and so you say, well, here I need to identify. Oh, people know you're a sinner for crying out loud! They, if they've seen you at all, they know that. So you you don't have to revel in it and go through the juicy details or anything. And uh, now, if you want, if they ask questions, that's fine. But get the testimony. I'm sorry, I got to do this faster. Oh my goodness, I can do it a lot faster. Here we go. Number two, the second thing I want to encourage you to do practically is not only get a testimony, get equipped. Folks, we got Bridge to Life to train you. How one verse evangelism? Romans 6:23. For the wages of sin is death. What's the next word? But. Wages is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Here's where you are, but here's where you can be. Praise God for the but. He's intervened so you can have eternal life. Can I share that with you? Here's wages, sin, death. Here is gift, God, life. And here's the bridge. Jesus, he'll get you there. We've got clinics to train you in this. We've even, I've got to show you how to draw it on a napkin. We've even got the napkin with it drawn on to give to you. And then you can go on to EE training if you want to and how to answer objections training if you want to. But get equipped. Nobody goes sowing without getting the bag and getting the seed and learning how to do it. Be intentional. Get equipped in how to share the gospel. Number three, develop a prayer plan. Your prayer plan has two parts to it. Number one, pray for the people God is going to bring you to. God, I want to pray. In fact, I've got about five people I keep in my incubator of prayer asking God to help me have an opportunity to talk with them. Get people in the incubator of prayer. Pray for God to make divine appointments. Pray for the people God's laying on your heart to open the doors. Harry, what's the second part of your prayer plan? Remember, they can't respond without what? They need a new heart. They need to be able to hear, understand. They need eyes to see and ears to hear. You can't give them that. So you're praying for the Holy Spirit to go before you to prepare their heart. For the seed that you're going to sow when he gives you the opportunity. So you're praying for them. Praying for God to do a work of grace in their life. Then number four, be practical. Be practical. And I will be very practical with how you can be practical. Practical. I like um, I had a conversation with Randy uh, Pope the other day, my dear buddy up in Atlanta, and we were talking about this. And he said, he said, Harry, you heard about the FBI? There's the GBI. And man, I did. I latch onto this one. Let me give it to you. Uh, the GBI. You ready? Say, say it with me. G. G. B. I. All right. Here it is. G. Greet people. Greet people. Harry, I'm an introvert. Get over it. <laughs> Greet people. Actually treat people as if they're existing in front of you. Greet them. Hi there. How are you? Just acknowledge them. Greet them. Preferably with a smile. Greet them. Secondly, befriend them. Ask questions of them that get at their life. Don't just... Uh, the other day, I had a privilege I was sitting down with a couple, and I said to them, I said, Oh, really, it was great to meet you. Where are you from? What do you do? How did y'all meet? Oh, you went to college? Actually, act like and actually do be interested in them, befriend them, find out about them. Do not use that. Don't meet somebody, greet them and start telling them about your kids. Tell them about this and tell them about that. We're going to get to telling and praise God for your kids. Praise God for your job. Praise God for whatever. But you're going to tell them about Jesus. But let them tell you about who they are and listen to them. Folks, I've got four questions. i got two if I think somebody doesn't know Jesus. i got two questions I'd like to ask them. If I don't think they've got a religious background. Then I got two questions if they have a religious background. Those are four questions. Now I got inundated back there. Harry, what are the four questions? I don't have time. Email me, I'll give them to you. Two, if I don't think they got a religious background. Two if they've got a religious background. Just to get the befriending to the next level of I. What Harry, what's I? I is this. Invite them. Folks, we've got things running out our ears of outreach ministries here. This thing that's happening on the third Sunday night, the Advent, it's unbelievable what the choir, the orchestra, and the drama team are doing. But it doesn't do any good if you haven't greeted somebody, befriended somebody, and invite them to hear the good news Jesus saves. And we've got to invite them. Invite them to worship. Invite them to Sunday school. Invite them to uh, events. Invite them to uh, all of those things. G-B-I. Greet. Befriend. Invite. Secondly, here's another one. Another practical. Share a book. My favorite book is Ultimate Questions, John Blanchard. Books on life, books on death, books on marriage, books on... They're all out there written that are evangelistically framed about the issues of life that people are dealing with. And you can bring them to the real... Not an answer of cosmetics and techniques, but an answer to the heart. And that's Jesus. Get a book and then set up a time. Hey, you read it, I'll read it. Let's get together and talk about it. Hospitality. Oh, I just wish I had a whole six weeks to do this one. Open your door, open your heart, get an empty seat, invite people into your home, invite people to all kinds of events. Be hospitable. Don't let the culture turn what the culture is turning homes into showpieces and castles. They get home, pull up the bridge, fill up the moat. We got hospitals. We've got B&Bs. We open up our homes. Invite people in. Finally, small groups. Make sure your small group has a season of evangelism. I'm available. You can have two weeks of Stump the Chump. I'm the chump. And you invite whoever you want to to Stump the Chump. I'll be glad to be there. And um, actually, Bruce fits that profile a little bit better than I do. But we're available. Take advantage of it. Do a small group discovery club to invite people to Christ. There's all kinds of things you can do. So I'm done. I'll close in prayer. Uh, when I was in Greenville, North Carolina, I was, uh, I was at the Free Will Baptist Church. Couldn't find the Presbyterian Church, so I started a Reformed Presbyterian Church youth group at the Free Will Baptist Church. We had a great time right before I left to go to Covenant College and leave East Carolina. It was hard to do, but I did. And I got before I left. uh, And the uh, the pastor and I were good friends. And um, ten women came to us whose husbands didn't know the Lord. And they said, can you help us? I said, sure. We'll do our best. Let's meet and pray for them. Remember? Prayer plan. We started praying for those husbands. Then we started a little Bible study. We invited them. Got two to go to this one, three to go to that one. Then we found some guys to connect with them, to befriend them and talk to them about Jesus. Then we brought them to a meeting where a guy gave his text. We did all these things that I'm talking about. Before I left, eight of those men came to Christ. Eight of them came intentionally, indiscriminately, just sharing the gospel. Eight of them came to Christ. It was wonderful. And by the way, don't just do there. Just start with your family. Right there. You know, you've all heard me joke about I got saved out of a drug problem. Daddy, Mom, drug me to church Sunday morning, Sunday night. night. You've all heard me joke about that. Well, I don't tell you I joke about it, but I thank God for it. Now, at the moment, I didn't thank God for it. At the moment, I was in rebellion. At the moment, I was going the other direction. Now, I got to the bottom of the barrel and I saw my daddy and my mom and I saw my grandparents. And then I met Cindy. And then I had to go to church to date Cindy. Well, I wasn't going back to my church because then once she got there, it'd blow my cover and she'd never date me again. And I wasn't going to go to her church for various reasons. So I went and found the church and we went there. You know what kind of church it was? Just like the one my daddy and mama took me to my whole life. That's the one I chose. Start with your own kids. Start with your family. Go to your neighbor's. Sow the seed everywhere. Jesus saves. Let's pray. God, thank you for the privilege to be with my brothers and sisters. Lord, if there's anyone here today that has never yet made that commitment... Would you give them the desire and the heart to come and perhaps even pray with one of these folks up here about committing their life to Jesus? And Father, would you now work in our hearts so that when we leave here, we leave here to tell others. Jesus saves. We'll tell everywhere. Let it waft upon the rolling waves. Let it echo from the ocean caves. Let it go from nation to nation. Let it go through every area of every part of our life and those whom we know. Jesus saves. Jesus saves. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: You have been listening to a message by Harry Reeder, Senior Pastor of Briarwood Presbyterian Church in Birmingham, Alabama. For more information on the resources available through Briarwood Presbyterian Church or for more information on the teaching ministry of Pastor Reeder, visit us at briarwood.org or call 205-776-5200.